Is there a way we can increase the use of our higher order brain regions in order to improve our mental health, sleep quality, heart health, and more? Tune in to find out all the details only here on the People's Scientist Podcast. Listening to the People Scientist, the podcast dedicated to helping us optimize our health with the latest scientific findings on neuroscience, physiology, and nutrition. I, your host, Dr. Stephanie Caligiuri, a nutritionist, physiologist, and neuroscientist, will be here with you every single week, bringing us information to ignite our thinking to help us be one step closer to the healthiest we can be. Hello, my People Scientist Army, and welcome back to the People Scientist Podcast for episode 71, where every week I arm us with some scientific evidence so we can all lead the healthy lives we want to live. So how are you doing today? How is your day going so far? Well, whether you are listening right now while you are on your commute, going for a walk, cleaning, working, or hanging out outside... I want you to know that I appreciate you tuning in, and I will show my gratitude to you by sharing some science with all of us in order to stimulate our minds today. So for episode 71, I wanted to do a bit of a fun podcast on the neuroscience of meditation. I know some of us listening right now may not be interested in meditation, but let me say, I was really surprised to see just how many clinical trials have been published in the last year illustrating the potential benefits and neuroscience of meditation. This is a rapidly growing area of research that is showing some great promise. For example, I know a lot of us have been struggling with our mental health, perhaps a bit more than usual because of these lockdown quarantine times. Some people have turned to meditation as a coping mechanism, and others perhaps have not even considered meditation. So in today's episode, I'm going to share with all of us the neuroscience behind meditation. And at the end of the episode, you can decide if this is something that interests you or not. So as we always do, let's start off with some core takeaways. The reason why scientists are interested in the practice of meditation is because it may have the ability to help increase the use of and train our higher-order brain regions. So you see, we have various different brain regions, and some regions in our brain have existed in the human species since the very beginning. These are the archaic brain regions that regulate the survival systems, like our body temperature, our blood pressure, our breathing, our thirst and hunger. But there are higher-order brain regions that regulate decision-making, attention, thought, planning, and memory, And these regions in our brain developed much later in the human species. It is precisely these higher-order brain regions that meditation targets. This may be important in the context of cognition, mental performance and dementia, in the context of anxiety, depression, emotion regulation, and attention deficit disorder, as well as in the context of stress. It is fascinating to me that in the last year, Tons of clinical trials looking at the neuroscience or effect of meditation on health have been published, 
And this is high-quality, randomized, controlled clinical trial data, too. A lot of the clinical evidence is supporting the addition of meditative practice into daily routines in order to support mental and physical health. So what impact can meditation have exactly on our health? Well, let's get into those details to find out. Let's start off by answering the question, what is meditation? Meditation is essentially a state of physical and mental relaxation. The goal of meditation is often to exist in thoughtless awareness. But you might be asking, what is thoughtless awareness? Well, this means that we are aware, for example, of our breath, our heartbeat, our emotions, but not thinking of anything other than that. So we are aware, but not thinking. Now, to be able to do this takes great control of the higher order brain regions. Meditation, interestingly, has been very useful in helping individuals gain attention control, meaning training us on what we give our attention to. So, for example, focusing on positive emotions and learning to deal with negative emotions and not ruminating and not focusing on the negativity. Meditation is an exercise to enhance self-regulation or self-control, to improve regulation of our emotions, and to improve awareness of our feelings and actions. As a result, this can be really important in the context of mood disorders or emotional intelligence, where often we may not be aware of our automatic responses, and meditation may help us realize that we ruminate or focus upon negative emotions or events. So can meditation result in any improvement to mental health then? Well, in 2014, in the journal JAMA Internal Medicine, scientists pulled together 47 different clinical trials that included over 3,500 participants to determine if meditation could improve mental health. The scientists concluded that there was substantial clinical evidence to conclude that meditation could indeed improve some symptoms of generalized anxiety disorder, major depression, and even chronic pain. However, the scientists noted that there was not enough data to make any strong conclusions on whether or not meditation could improve measures of addiction, weight management, or eating habits. Just this year, another meta-analysis was conducted to see if a particular type of meditation called for immeasurables meditation could improve symptoms of depression. The four immeasurables meditation is based on four attitudes or feelings that many people believe are necessary in order to be happy and in order to have good mental health. For example, this style of meditation focuses upon loving kindness and being friendly. Number two, having compassion for others. Three, appreciative joy or happiness regarding others' successes. And four, equanimity a calm attitude toward others' fate, based on wisdom. For example, in this style of meditation, sayings may be repeated during meditation, such as, may you be happy, may you be free from suffering, may you not lose what you gain, or they are the bearer of their own fate. So 40 different clinical trials were conducted using this type of meditation practice, 
and the participants practiced this meditation typically for at least six weeks at a time. And the scientists measured the impact of this type of meditation on their symptoms of depression. Now, let me point out that 40 different clinical trials looking at just this one type of meditation for depression is quite substantial. So when I say that there is a lot of clinical evidence on meditation, there truly is. And that might surprise some people. And to be honest, it surprised me to realize that there was that amount of meditation clinical research. So overall, after pulling together the 40 studies, the scientists concluded that meditation can indeed improve various symptoms of major depressive disorder. So how about we dive into one of the clinical trials included in these meta-analyses? For example, Siegel in 2010 recruited 160 patients that were taking antidepressant medications for major depressive disorder. The patients all were in remission and wanted to see if they could go off of their antidepressant medication while under medical supervision. So the patients were split into three groups. Either they were asked to stop taking their antidepressant medication and instead to take part in a meditation program. Or the second group were to continue taking their antidepressant medication as a control. Or the last group switched from their antidepressant medication to taking a placebo as another form of a control group. And these, this last group did not undergo any meditation. So the participants were monitored for 18 months. So this was a very well-designed study. The meditation program that one-third of the participants took part in was, was intended to prevent automatic ways of thinking and feeling. For example, to prevent ruminating or focusing on negative thoughts. The meditation was intended to increase self-awareness of emotions with daily guided exercises to increase awareness of the body, thoughts, feelings, and to be compassionate about themselves and to generate individualized strategies to handle negative thoughts and feelings. It turns out that the odds of someone relapsing back into major depression was the same for those who continued to take their antidepressant medication as those who stopped taking their antidepressants and did daily meditation practice. That's pretty profound. Whereas those who stopped taking their antidepressant medication with no meditation actually had their depression symptoms worsen. For example, 60% of patients relapsed back into depression after stopping their antidepressant medication, whereas only 38% relapsed when they replaced their antidepressant medication with daily meditation. So meditation may help individuals living with depression and may be able to prevent relapse into depression when antidepressant medications are stopped. However, it is important to note that it did not work for everyone. Still, 38% of people doing daily meditation relapsed back into major depression. So meditation may be adequate and very beneficial for some, but it may be only partially helpful or not helpful for others. How about for anxiety? There have been several clinical trials looking at meditation and anxiety. A meta-analysis published last year that pooled together 25 different clinical trials concluded meditation has a moderate benefit on symptoms of anxiety. So let's look at a specific clinical trial. In 2013, in the journal Clinical Psychiatry, 93 individuals diagnosed with general anxiety disorder were randomized into an eight-week meditation and mindfulness-based practice or into a control group, which consisted of stress management education. 
The results indicated that both the meditation and control group exhibited some benefits in their symptoms of anxiety, but the individuals practicing meditation had significantly greater reductions in anxiety and distress ratings in response to a stress challenge and a greater increase in positive self-statements. So meditation may be of benefit not only for depression, but for generalized anxiety as well. Sleep is also very important in the context of mental well-being and our energy levels. So can meditation impact sleep quality? In 2019, so just last year, a meta-analysis pulled together 18 clinical trials and concluded that meditation may improve sleep quality too. For example, in 2015 in the journal JAMA Internal Medicine, 49 people with moderate sleep disturbances were recruited in a six-week program to either participate in meditation practice or to be educated on good sleep practices as the control group. The meditation practice included mindful sitting meditation, mindful eating, appreciation meditation, friendly or loving kindness meditation, mindful walking, and mindful movement. Their method of meditation can be viewed actually on the UCLA website, and I will link it into the description box if you're interested in seeing their specific meditation program. So after six weeks of this meditation practice, the group that was meditating exhibited an improvement in sleep quality by 2.8 points, whereas the control group saw an improvement by only 1.1 points. So those practicing meditation had more than double an improvement than those in the control group. Individuals in the meditation group saw a greater improvement in insomnia symptoms, depression symptoms, fatigue interference, and fatigue severity versus the control group. So the clinical evidence also supports a possible benefit of meditation for sleep quality. How about for cognition? I've talked about cognition many times in previous episodes. Cognition refers to our ability to memorize, to make decisions, to plan, and to strategically think. Cognition is very important in regard to our mental performance, as well as very important for individuals living with dementia or Alzheimer's. So many scientists have investigated if meditation can impact cognition. In the journal The Gerontologist last year, scientists pulled together 41 different clinical trials that included over 3,500 participants living with dementia. The scientists noted that, indeed, different forms of meditation seem to improve various measures of cognition. Specifically, improvements versus the control placebo group were noted for attention span, processing speed, short-term memory, working memory, verbal fluency, and executive functioning. The greatest improvements were seen in individuals with mild cognitive impairment, so in the earlier stages of dementia. It is also important to note that improvement in cognition with meditation was noted only when the length of the intervention was longer than 12 weeks, when meditation was practiced at least 3-7 to times per week, or if the duration of the session was at least 45 to 60 minutes. So this is something that individuals would have to incorporate into their regular routine as a long-term habit, as a lifestyle intervention really, in order to see the long-term benefits. And often, lifestyle interventions do take time to generate a benefit, so this is not surprising to me. But that's quite profound, that after looking at 41 different clinical trials, it does indeed appear that meditation can have some improvements in cognition. 
considering the fact that meditation has proven to benefit attention control. The idea that meditation may improve attention in individuals living with attention deficit disorder has been investigated. For example, in 2009, in the journal Biological Psychiatry, Rubia reviews this topic very well. Clinical trials recruited individuals living with attention deficit disorder of all ages, and they showed that meditation practices can indeed show some benefit in regard to measures of impulsivity, hyperactivity, attention span, performance on tasks, and reduced need for medications with the daily meditative practice. As with the grand majority of treatments, not everyone responded with great benefit to meditation, but many did see some benefit in the symptoms of attention deficit disorder. So again, this is somewhat something that of a lifestyle intervention that someone could try to incorporate into their regular routine to see if it has benefit for them. How about other health measures? Can meditation be of benefit? Well, in 2017, in the American Journal of Hypertension, scientists pulled together 19 randomized controlled trials that investigated if meditation could improve blood pressure. Now, blood pressure is very important in the risk of heart attack and stroke and peripheral artery disease. So it's very important in the context of heart health and brain health. The scientists noted that systolic and diastolic blood pressure, so the top number and the bottom number on our blood pressure reading, improved by on average 2 to 6 millimeters of mercury with regular meditation practice. Now 2 to 6 millimeters of mercury is a pretty good improvement. Typically, one blood pressure medication can improve blood pressure on average by 4 to 12 millimeters of mercury. So meditation may not be as effective as an antihypertensive or it may not be as effective as a blood pressure lowering medication. However, it appears that meditation may be a very beneficial lifestyle practice to add in helping to gain blood pressure control. For example, if exercise improvements in nutrition were combined with meditation, this potentially could be a very good strategy for blood pressure control or blood pressure management. So how is it possible that meditation might have these benefits on mental health, sleep quality, or heart health? How is meditation impacting the brain? Well, there was a really, really great review written by Katia Rubia in the journal Biological Psychiatry on how meditation can impact our physiology. If you want me to send you this article, just DM me and I'd be happy to. Overall, Katya reviews how meditation can help train us to eliminate irrelevant or negative thoughts by teaching us to control what we give our attention to. Meditation may have the ability to enhance concentration, relaxation, stress reduction, and concentration. Imaging studies of the brain illustrate that meditation can enhance the activity of the higher order brain regions, such as those involved in attention control and thought processing. Neuroimaging studies show that the brain regions involved in attention control mainly include the higher order brain regions such as the anterior cingulate cortex, the adjacent medial prefrontal cortex, as well as the striatum or basal ganglia, including the nucleus accumbens, which are also important brain regions in reward processing. In a study in the journal Frontiers in Human Neuroscience in 2012, Scientists compared brain region activity between those with great meditation experience versus those with no meditation experience. Participants with meditation experience exhibited greater connections for networks in the brain controlling attention and the medial prefrontal cortex of the brain. 
These regions of the brain appear to be important for cognitive skills such as attention span and in the ability to disengage from distractions. In the journal Scientific Reports just last year, scientists aimed to understand how the structure of the brain may change after eight weeks of meditation practice in 14 university students who were new to meditation. The participants were to take part in 45 minutes of meditation at home every day for eight weeks. So after this eight-week meditation program, the participants exhibited some changes to their brain structure. There was a relative increase in cortical thickness in the left precuneus. These changes were stronger for those subjects who also showed the most reduction in depression symptoms. So the cortex of the brain is an example of one of those higher order brain regions. So the fact that this increased in size with eight weeks of daily meditative practice is pretty significant. In 2002, a PET scan of the brain of individuals meditating illustrated a 65% increase in dopamine binding in the limbic region of the brain versus when they were resting and just listening to a speech. This is interesting as low dopamine is implicated in depression, anxiety, and attention deficit disorder. So meditation is an example of a replacement therapy, so to speak, if it has the ability to increase dopamine in this part of the brain. In other studies, interestingly, gray matter concentration in the medial orbitofrontal region, an area known to be important for emotion control, correlated with the years of meditation practice. So again, all these neuroimaging studies are showing the importance of these higher-order brain regions and how they're either larger or thicker or more active in individuals with meditation experience. The fact that meditation can increase the activity and size of our higher-order brain regions in order to increase our attention control is really cool. Often we hear today the difficulties that we may experience by focusing on the negatives and how that can impact our mental well-being so much. For example, if someone says to us something really mean or rude, that often tends to stay with us and it can impact our mental health in a very negative way. But at the same time, there can be 100 people that compliment us or say something really nice, but that means little by comparison to the negative comment. Why does that happen? It has to do with attention control. So it appears that meditation may help in preventing our rumination or prevent us from focusing on negative thoughts by teaching us to gain control of our thoughts and what we give our attention to. It gives us control over what we choose to think about. I mean, just think about it. If we have to sit quietly every day trying to achieve thoughtless awareness, as it is called, that takes practice and great control. And once we can achieve that with meditative practice, it may open the door to allow us to control our thoughts and attention in other aspects in order to, to benefit us in our mental health. Meditation is also hallmarked by decreased stress as it may decrease sympathetic nervous system activity. Now this system of our body is our stress system that responds to a fight or flight. And meditation can increase parasympathetic nervous system activity, which is the opposing system. This system is important for relaxation, digestion, and rest. Now this finding is supported by a study in 2018 in psychiatry research that indicated patients with generalized anxiety disorder that participated in a meditation program had a reduction in the levels of adrenocorticotropic hormone, that's a stress hormone, they also saw a reduction in pro-inflammatory cytokines. So this may be another possible mechanism by which meditation may induce benefit for mental health, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, 
sleep quality, and blood pressure. So what do you think? Do you already practice meditation or is this something that interests you that you want to try? Now many people already do practice meditation regularly. In the journal Scientific Reports in 2016, scientists noted that in North America, approximately 5.2% of adults practice meditation. In this sample population of nearly 35,000 people, it was noted that meditation was mainly used to improve or to promote general wellness, to improve energy, aiding in memory or concentration. Anxiety, stress, and depression were also the top health problems for which people used meditation. Nearly 65% of people reported that they believed meditation helped a great deal with these conditions. Now, there are many different forms of meditation, and I am not an expert on meditation practices, but I know that there is a lot of information that is very accessible about meditation if you're interested. There are many free apps available on smartphones and tablets that provide guided meditation if this is something you want to try. I personally tried the app Headspace and thought it was pretty good, but I know that there are many other apps or websites available to help give guided meditation. I will also link that UCLA website that provides some information about their specific meditation practice. I think it may cost to sign up for their online meditation workshop, but I believe they also have a free option too, if that's something you're interested in. If you already practice meditation, I would love to hear about your practice and what you do exactly and what you like or dislike about it or how you feel that maybe it's helped you or how it hasn't helped you. So that is a wrap, my people scientist army. In brief summary, meditation seems to activate the higher order brain regions involved in memory, attention control, decision making, and thought processing. As a result, meditation may have benefit for memory, mental performance, mental health, sleep quality, and stress. There are many different styles of meditation, but one central theme across them all is increasing our control over what we give our attention to, to focus on self-awareness and less on the negativity. Meditation, I think, is a skill, and I think a potentially very important skill to gain. It appears that it does take time and regular practice to see the potential benefits on mental health or physical health. So as a result, it is, it is considered a lifestyle intervention and something to make a habit and part of a regular routine. And some of the meta-analyses showed that benefits, for example, on cognition were only seen after a 12-week period and if it was practiced for at least three times a week for at least 45-minute sessions. So there you have it. There is the clinical evidence on meditation and how it may have the potential to improve our mental and physical health by reducing the stress levels and by increasing the activation of our higher order brain regions. So now that I've given the clinical evidence to you, it is up to you to do with it what you will. Make sure to follow me on social media for extra tidbits of information on the week's topic. I hope you all have a wonderful week, and I look forward to meeting you back here the same time and the same place next week on the People Scientist Podcast. Bye for now. I am a scientist simply sharing scientific evidence. Some of the clinical interventions I discuss are not appropriate for everyone. Before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle, please do consult the advice of your physician or dietitian. My opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect those of Mount Sinai Hospital and its affiliates.